but we're going to get going. So, uh, at its core, worship is pretty straightforwardly um, the honor and recognition of God, right? In English, it, it translates, translates, but it's, it's, in English, it's, it's pretty much ascribing worth to something. Um, so the translation that would come from the Greek and the Hebrew words, um, which pretty much, there's four or five of them that uh, roughly translate to um, uh, bowing down, putting your face to the ground, kissing the ground, kissing the feet like of a king or something, um, reverence or awe. Um, and what that looks like for us and throughout scripture takes a, a lot of different forms um, of what we consider worship and what is prescribed biblically as worship. Things like sacrifices and offerings. Um, back in the day, that was goats or, or doves. I'm not interested in slaughtering any animals. And luckily, what Christ has done eliminates that. But things for us, like sacrifices of our possessions, of our time, things like silence, prayer, shouting and dancing. We do a lot of that around here. Um, or even just meditating on his word. I mean, all of these things are, are what gives God glory, what, um, what is us recognizing who he is and who we are before him. Uh, so then the question becomes, as, as Larry was saying, you know, what it, it looks kind of goofy when we come here and we sing together. It seems odd, so I kind of want to just address a little bit of what we're doing here. Like, why we're singing and, and making fools of ourselves in some ways. Um, but I think it's important. I think music, and, and singing in particular, uh, occupies a large portion of what uh, that worship space is for a reason, you know? I think music has power. It, it's mysterious. There's, there's something very basic and very honest about it. Uh, thinking about it, I picture... Like so many concerts that I've gone to, and, and I think, what is happening here? And what I have nothing in common with so many of these people at all. Like, you look to each side of you, and you're like, I would not hang out with that dude. But something about music, it, it's that joining place. It's that place that um, whatever the band is, whatever they sing about, something about that has resonated within both myself and, and whoever these random dudes are or girls that are at this concert. You know, there's something uh, more basic and, and unifying about that. I think God knows that, and he did it on purpose, as crazy as that seems. So music itself has this power to penetrate our hearts. It stays with us, and I think that's something that... Um, that's a God-ordained tool. Like, he, he created music so that it kind of reaches a deeper place. And, uh, and he uses it for that purpose, to, to reach both our heads and our hearts simultaneously. I think that's what we try to do here every week, basically. We, we, we kind of gather, we try to engage our heads and our hearts and everything we have in, in reaching out for God in trying to uh, connect with him, to, to worship him, to ascribe that worth. 
we do that in essentially three ways, right? We preach, we teach through the word of God, we sing, and we do communion. I mean, it's pretty straightforward and basic, and we do that intentionally because, I mean, these are the things that we're explicitly called to do. And I think, uh, in particular, music is one that maybe we don't think of as often as something like there's a reason we're actually singing songs here. We're not just wasting our time. Um, so, so the crazy idea that I'm going to propose, and I can do this because Steve's not here, is that the music is more important than the sermon. Um, and I mean, you can, you can take that farther than, than it needs to go, but I think there's something there um, because if you think about it, you're going to forget everything I've said here pretty much right after I'm done saying it. I have no idea what Larry was talking about earlier, for instance. I've already forgot that. I'm sure it was very important. But the songs stick, don't they? You'll leave, you'll go home, and even if it's Tuesday, they're, yeah, they're just, they're there in your head. You know, they, they don't fade away the way that like this longer form speaking does something about that melody drills it into your mind it's also why I make a very intentional effort now to to sing songs and to bring songs into this space that are biblical that have uh, truth in them that have a precedent that when it gets stuck in your head it's not false, you know? Like, that would be an incredible disservice. But what we're trying to do is to, in every way that we can, reinforce truth and what draws us to God, what draws us to Christ. Um, so, before Steve comes back next week, which it's crazy, like... It feels like it's been a long time, but it also feels like it hasn't been a long time. I'm sure it feels like it hasn't been a long time for him. But he's coming back next week, and we're going we're gonna to jump back into a series. We're going into First and Second Kings. Um, but before we did that, before we let this little hodgepodge of sermons go, I want to do attack this a little bit and explore some of the reasons that we, that we sing, that we do what we do here. Um, so reason number one, it, it's pretty simple. We sing out of obedience. Um, Singing really isn't an option in scripture. It's pretty explicitly called for as a command. Um, and what we're going to jump into right here is we're gonna actually going go to go to the Word. We're going to look at two scriptures, um, one from Ephesians. So let's go to Ephesians 5. Uh, we're going to be looking at 15 through 19. And then after that, we're going to jump to Colossians. They're kind of interesting um, texts that parallel each other a little bit in how Paul uh, addresses some certain things and then ties this into uh, singing, into what singing does in our corporate aspect. So Garrett, if you are there, oh, I am. please feel free. Ephesians 5, 15 through 19. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Do you want 20? Yeah, go ahead and do 20. Always giving thanks to the Father, to, to God the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I like 20. It's a nice little bow on it. Um, I mean, you see there, he, he's offering direction and instruction to this church about uh, how to live, essentially, and then, and then wraps that up with telling them to, to speak to each other in song, in psalms, in, in spiritual songs, in hymns. Uh, and let's go ahead and jump right over to Colossians 3. I think we'll, we'll see some, some good parallels and some reinforcement here. Uh, so we're going to go Colossians 3, 12 through 16. Some of this is uh, slightly unnecessary at this point, but it'll be good later. We'll just we'll go and we'll hit the singing stuff right away and then double back a little bit. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved... Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. All right. Once again, I had slightly more on that. This is what happens, Garrett. All right, so uh, we see pretty pretty straightforward there that, that God's people are more than just invited to sing he is commanding them to do so for practical reasons um i mean when we sing we're we're doing what god is asking us to do there but then moving on to that second reason when we sing like i was saying before as long as i do my job right in in vetting these songs and and bringing uh truth we grow rooted in the word he says in Colossians 3:16, "Let the word of Christ, the word of Christ, dwell in you richly, uh, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs." The Apostle Paul lays out this uh, this command to let God's word dwell in us richly, and then he tells us how to live out that command. The first, of course, is teaching, but then the second is singing. It's something that. I think we practice, we do, but we don't necessarily acknowledge that as part of the integral, integral uh, way that we uh, let the word of God into our hearts. So it's commanded for a practical purpose, as we, that as we sing the psalms and the hymns and the spiritual songs, we're promised that the word of Christ will dwell in us. Our singing is more than 
a warm-up for the sermon uh, or a filler in the service. And I think that sometimes that's how people see it. But, I mean, that's why I'm telling you this now. <laughs> uh, Colossians 3.16 clearly, sta- lays out, clearly lays that out, that singing stands alongside preaching as one of the two great ways that God has ordained for his word to infiltrate and take root in our heads and our hearts. I mean, like we said before, the, the songs that we sing, it's, it's essentially a three-minute, easily memorizable biblical summary of like these important truths like in Christ alone like how how much more straightforward can it get you know there's a three minutes of this thorough theology of of the cross of Christ what he did and what it means for us and I'm going to remember that a lot better than you know any 40 minute sermon you know so the other reason we sing is to build up others Firstly, we, we build up each other. We build up other believers when we're singing together. In Ephesians 5.19, it talks about addressing each other in hymns and spiritual songs uh, in order to teach each other, in order to build each other up. We see it again on the other side in Colossians as well. It comes after the calls of bearing with one another, forgiving one another, putting on love, being at peace, and united as the body of Christ and teaching God's word to one another. And then he says, do it in song, you know? So when we do what the Bible says and we sing together as a church family, we're, we're hearing confessions from everyone around us. We're declaring to everyone in earshot, in Christ alone, my hope is found. Or my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence, Lord. Whether we're conscious of it or not, I, I think that that can do something to our hearts. It can kind of open us up in ways that uh, other things can't. Maybe make us a little more teachable if we're paying attention. The other side of that is, is as we sing, I think there is opportunity to, uh, to help unbelievers to help people who don't know, who, who see this as a strange thing. You know? In Psalm 105, it says, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise, tell of his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. I think good corporate worship will kind of naturally be a little bit evangelistic. If you think about the impact that that has on someone looking in from the outside who doesn't know Christ, to hear us sing these truths, to hear us uh, express those testimonies and those confessions of faith as we sing together, I think <clears throat> that's where that foolishness uh, can, can kind of spark some intrigue and raise some eyebrows into and, and like, why, why is this happening, you know? So I think there's, there's opportunities to be had there. Uh, the fourth thing, we, when we sing, uh, it, it helps us 
and can help us overcome sin. I think that's something that is addressed in in the Colossians 3 text. Paul is challenging, uh, earlier on, challenging the Colossians to literally put sin to death in their lives, to kill sin. And so the commands of, of love and peace and forgiveness and teaching and singing there are these attitudes that, that we have, these things that we can do that, to the believer, will, you know, kill sin. We'll, we'll put sin in its place. We see the same thing in the Ephesians passion, passage. In verse 15, it says, Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. I mean, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? It's hard to to lie or to be greedy or to look at something inappropriate when you're singing and making music from your heart to the Lord, isn't it? There's something that, again, sticks with you, even if you're not singing praise to Jesus as you stab someone. Maybe if you sang praise to Jesus yesterday, it sticks with you. Maybe I shouldn't stab someone. It's an extreme example, obviously. That was ad-libbed, um, clearly. But, but there's something to that. I think I have definitely found that. Like, I tend to sin less leading up to Sunday and, and you know, preceding Sunday. There's something about the further away, and if we're not doing these things on our own, if we're not in the Word, if we're not uh, worshiping God, it's the further away from that you get, the easier it is to rationalize devious things, right? That was five? That was four. Overcoming sin. So a singing heart essentially is at war with darkness and the power of sin. It's a way to, to put those things at bay. The fifth thing uh, out of seven, we're getting there. We were going to sing more songs afterwards, but we're going to forego that because it's almost noon. We're going to wrap it up. Okay, so the fifth thing is we sing for strength in trial. I think that's uh, it, it's pretty natural to think, oh, I'm going to sing for good things that are happening, right? When times are happy and good, but singing uh, can bring strength when we're in the midst of trial and it can um, engrave those things on our hearts and minds when, so that when we're in trial, we can recall those things. Uh, something that pops out to me is like in Acts 16 when, when Paul and Silas are just thrown in prison for whatever is made up that week because that's what happened. Um, they're sitting there and they're, just, they're singing hymns. They're rocking it in their cell, singing hymns. One of the things I saw online when I was looking around is um, something that kind of escapes us, I think, a lot, is in other countries and other parts of the world, in the persecuted church, when people are thrown in prison for things like faith or when they're um, persecuted in any way, uh, one of the things I saw was these guys, I don't know where they were from, but they were, they were legitimately thrown in prison for 
for their faith, and they were chained up with chains. And, and something about uh, that situation and, and the way that they found to use song, to use hymns uh, as a way to cope, they actually went so far as to use their chains as instruments, which I think is hilarious. I mean, the songs they were singing were terrible, like, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Like, that's, that kind of blows my mind, though. I mean, if you think about it, going that far, none of us are getting thrown in prison, but life is crazy sometimes, man. Like, the past couple weeks for, for us have been nuts. Everything is breaking. Every appliance breaks, the car breaks, and... Like the one steady coping mechanism that, that I know that Kathy has found is she's frequently just in the kitchen playing worship songs on her iPhone while she does whatever, you know, scrubbing dishes because the dishwasher is broken. I did fix it. Amen. Looking at that, I mean, I mean so many of the Psalms, it's like half of at least half of them, almost all of David's psalms, I swear, this is not thoroughly researched or, or factured as far as numbers, but how much of that is, why is this happening to me, God, but you're still awesome, please, for the love of God, deliver me, you know? I mean, we read it after uh, Desert Psalm, Psalm 68. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Singing in the midst of trial uh, has the ability to, to help us weather the storm. On the other side of that, singing for joy is, is natural. It's awesome. Uh, we got a nice little sampling here of what the Psalms say about singing for joy. Psalm 511. Let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exalt you. Psalms 9-2. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Psalm 51:14. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud for your righteousness. 59, 16. I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in a day of distress. And 63, 7. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Then there's a a pretty direct clincher in James 5.13. It's just straight up says, if any, is anyone cheerful, let him sing praise. So as you study uh, the scripture on this point, you'll notice that um, sometimes singing gives birth to joy, and sometimes joy gives birth to singing. It's kind of a two-way street. Persistently in scripture, though, these things are bound together, joy and singing. It's hard to study one of them without uh, encountering the other. So, I mean, if you're struggling, like in the times of trial, 
sing. I think that there is power in that to, to bring you out of that. If you're joyful, I mean, out of the overflow of that joy, singing is this, this basic human thing that can erupt from us. It's, it's awesome. So sing. In God's perfect design, in his perfect understanding of this human condition, he's bound those things together for a reason, for us. So then the sixth thing, you'll probably notice one of the major things, no, this is the seventh thing. Uh, One of the major things that has been missing from this list is just that first straightforward thing. We sing to bring glory to God. That's what we're here to do. So obedience, deep roots in the word, building up others, battling sin, persevering trials, finding joy in God. All of these things can bring glory to God. That's the purpose for what we're created. So the Colossians 3, Ephesians 5, they bring out this simple but powerful thing, telling us to to sing to God, sing to the Lord, because he's the object of our praise. It's him, it's to him and about him that we sing. It has this this unique way of, of bringing your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength all together in this one powerful reaction. I think that's special. In this, this age of distraction where everything is battling for our attention, that singing kind of grabs all of those senses and, and directs it and focuses it on one thing, on God. It's, it's awesome. It's something that we need to embrace and we need to pursue. Worship is, is just something that's foundational to Christianity as a whole. It's at the heart of our calling. The most important thing we can do in worship in this time that we have together on Sundays is to make a big deal about Jesus. Excuse me. We want people to encounter the greatness of our Lord. To worship Jesus in light of his goodness, of his grace, and of his mercy and what he has created and given us. And at the end of our worship gatherings, I, I just want you to leave essentially with a deeper understanding of who Jesus is, of who God is, what it means to be in a relationship with him. So week after week, we'll be right back here, invited essentially to join in the work of creation. We sing that all the time, you know. There's plenty of that in the Psalms. Uh, The the scope of this has kind of been limited. But I I could preach 15 more sermons on on worship and and how that is joining with creation and this song that is always in motion. Literally, stars are singing. (laughs) Like There are some crazy things out there that someday we'll get into. But every week we're going to be back here together. And whatever that looks like for you, whether you're standing up, sitting down, legitimately, I don't want to go that far. If you're silent, that's probably not good in that particular moment. But whether you're raising your hands or kneeling, like these things 
don't necessarily matter what it looks like or what we sound like when we're doing it. But singing matters. I think that's pretty clear. And the fact that we do it together matters. So thank you guys for coming here every week, for joining in this, for, um, for just participating in this worship of God, for loving each other and loving him enough to, to teach each other, to encourage each other, and to worship him together. Let's go ahead and pray. God, you're beautiful. You're wonderful. And we seek you. I ask that you would always uh, be at the forefront of our minds when we gather here together. That you would help us to, to see you better in these times through your spirit, through your creation, God, and through uh, these things that we do together to lift you up through songs that we sing and, and the power that that has to, to change a human heart, to gather our heads, our, our hearts, our souls, and bring that to you, to focus on you. Lord, that's why we gather here. That's why we teach. It's why we sing. And we just invite you to to help us make that fully realized in our community. You're beautiful. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.